अवतार सत्यवेश अवतार तृतीयमात अंश अवतार पुरुष मत्स्यादिकयत There are three categories of incarnations of Godhead. Partial incarnations, qualitative incarnations, and empowered incarnations. The Purushas and Matsya are example of partial incarnations. ब्रह्मा विष्णु शिवतीना गुणावाधारे गानी शक्तवेश सनकादी पृथ्वीव्यास मुनि ब्रह्मा विष्णु एंड शिवा आर क्वालिटेटिव इनकारनेशंस इंपावर्ड इनकारनेशंस आर दोस लाइक द कुमारस किंग प्रीतु एंड महामुनि व्यास द कंपाइलर ऑफ द वेदस There are three basic categories of avatars of Godhead, and each of these have many subdivisions, which we will discuss in the near future. What Kaviraj Goswami is here describing: first, partial incarnations, or amsa avatar. That is, anksha avatar. And the example of them are the Purushas. Purusha means ah, uh, there is the Mahavishnu, Karanodakshayi Vishnu, and Garabhodakshayi Vishnu, and Kshiradakshayi Vishnu, and also the Lila avatars, such as Matsya. Ramchandra, uh, Vamana Dev. They are examples of partial incarnations or ansa avatars. The qualitative incarnations are called guna guna avatars. The Lord incarnates. <coughs> In order to supervise the affairs of this of the material existence, all of the affairs of material existence are taking place under the influence of the three gunas, so the three modes of material nature: sattva guna, raja guna, and tamo guna. So, therefore, these guna avatars are in control. Of all of the affairs within this creation, because everything is taking place under the three modes of material nature, and Lord Brahma is generally a jivatma. It is described that he is in the highest, most significant post in a particular universe. Sometimes Brahma is. Called by the name Atma Bhu, because he is born directly from the navel of Garabodakshai Vishnu. From his navel, the lotus flower 
um, springs and Brahma is born. Now what type of a jiva is it that takes such a incredibly empowered position as Brahma? He is so divinely empowered by the Lord that he is considered, even though he is usually a jivatma, he is considered an avatar of, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The reason is because the Lord is empowering him directly to perform what nobody else could possibly do except God himself. Because Krishna is the only creator and, Bra and Krishna is giving Brahma the power to create every, every planet and every species of life within the universe. So because of this very, very, and also uh, the, the act of creation is in Rajaguna, or the mode of passion. And therefore, Brahma is given the control to supervise the entire Rajaguna, the entire creative potency of the Lord within this material universe. As we know, amongst all species of life within this universe, how is life generated? Procreation takes place as a result of passion. It's like a man and a woman. If they are not passionate, they cannot have a child. Just like it is explained in the story of Kardama Muni. He was a very great sadhu. And he was so much in the mode of goodness, sattva guna. In fact, he had direct revelation where the Supreme Lord Narayan appeared before him. He was performing such tapasya. There was a place in the forest where he was residing of the name Bindu Srovar because Lord Narayan, seeing the love of his devotee Karadama performing such tapasya, he started to cry and the tears from his eyes filled that lake. This is how pure this great yogi was. And Swayambhuvamanu, this is all arranged by Lord Narayan himself. Swayambhuvamanu, who was then the presiding um, administrator of all humanity, the first of the, of the Manus, he awarded to Kardama Muni his own daughter, Devahuti, who was so beautiful, the most beautiful of all human beings. Even the demigods in the heavens, when they would see her on the roof playing as a small child, they were so overwhelmed by her beauty that they would sometimes fall from their airplanes onto the ground. Uh, it shows that when you even the demigods, how they fall down. <laughs> Very symbolic. And <laughs> uh, when she married Kardama Muni, she was so faithful and chaste that her only desire in life was simply to satisfy her husband. She didn't care anything for her own conditioned way of life, her own comforts, or her own pleasures in any way. So because day and night he would be absorbed in samadhi, 
and she would just she would not eat until after he would eat and he would practically never eat so therefore she was practically starving and she wouldn't bathe until after he bathed and because he was so much spending so so much time absorbed internally he just didn't care for these things so as the years went by she became emaciated her her beautiful silken hair became matted her beautiful complexion became all discolored she was disheveled and she became very sickly as well and Kardama Muni could understand that the nature of every woman is they want a child so because she was performing such wonderful wonderful service to him she was thinking he was thinking I must satisfy her I must give her a child but it was not possible to give her a child because he was so much in Sattva Guna that in order to create there has to be passion there has to be Rajaguna so therefore he made her very beautiful again he put her in a nice pond of water and she became very very beautiful and then in that forest scene it was not the proper atmosphere there was no stimulus to Rajaguna there so he created a beautiful aerial mansion with nice palatial buildings marble gold diamonds silver beautiful birds beautiful beautiful maidservants in this way in this luxury there was an atmosphere where Rajaguna was was very prominent so under this situation he was able to create and of course in this in Kali Yuga most people they do not follow the regulative principle that Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita Krishna says in Gita sex life according to religious principles is no different than me it is an act of devotional service that means sex life for the purpose of, of, of procreating a God conscious child very deliberately as a contribution to the Krishna consciousness of the world and therefore the Garabhadhan Samskar Srila Prabhupada taught Grihasta should be chanting at least 50 rounds of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, that's about eight hours before this act takes place. So in this way, huh, we understand what sex life is according to religious principles. But today, most people, they create by accident, in the sense that they have no intention of, per of creating a child. They just cannot control their Rajaguna. They can't control passion and somehow or other an unwanted byproduct of that is a child and in places like America one-third of every procreated child is murdered in the womb abortion because they just don't want it and the other two-thirds usually they don't want it but they just have some sense of morality though they're not willing to kill it so in this way you can understand that creation not only amongst human beings, but even amongst the animals. You see, like in America, there's a saying, if somebody is very lusty, like a dog in heat. It means when a dog is passionate, they just simply want sex. And when we, we read about the pigeons and all of these other insects and species of life, how Rajaguna is such a powerful influence 
motivating people. It is the creative potency. And on another level, why uh, the, the big, big cities that we see created? They are generally created by this Rajaguna. People are greedy. They want more and more and more and more money. So they build higher and higher buildings, bigger and bigger airplanes, bigger and bigger rocket ships, nicer and nicer cars, bigger roads. Practically our whole civilization is being created due to the influence of Rajaguna or passion. So this particular very, very exalted soul, it is explained, the best living entity, Krishna chooses him, the best Jivatma to become Brahma in each universe. And in this way, Brahma is the creator and he is the supervisor of Rajaguna. But it is explained that sometimes when there is no such very, very, very exalted Jivatma within a universe to take that post, then Lord Vishnu himself takes the post of Brahma. He becomes Lord Brahma. And then we read of uh, Brahma Vishnu Maheshwar that goodness is the function of preservation. Therefore, Vishnu himself takes this position of the guna-avatar for sattva-guna, because nobody else could preserve. He is preserving everything. He is preserving not only the entire universe, but he is also preserving the creator and the destroyer. It is difficult to build something. It's difficult to destroy something. But nothing is more difficult than to preserve something. Just like at New Vrindavan, how hard the devotees worked to build Srila Prabhupada's palace. Of course, to destroy it doesn't take so much. But to build it took so many years. But the devotees realized that ten times harder than building it is preserving it. Once you have something, to, because the nature of material existence is everything just starts to destroy, everything starts to dwindle, everything through the force of time. So therefore, of all of these three functions, creation, preservation, and destruction, by far the most difficult is preservation. To make someone a devotee is difficult, but to keep that person a devotee throughout his life is the most difficult thing. And to break somebody's faith is not so difficult. So on every level, preservation is the most difficult task. Therefore, Lord Vishnu himself, because nobody else could do this work of preservation, he incarnates as the guna-avatar for sattva-guna. And as the destroyer, as we have been reading every morning in the Brahma-samhita, the Supreme Personality of Godhead himself expands into the form of Lord Shiva, or Shankar. There are 
three tattvas. There is the jiva tattva, which is the tatashta shakti. There is the uh, bhagavan tattva, daivi shakti, which is Krishna himself. And Lord Shiva is unique. Lord Shiva is never of the jiva tattva. He is Vishnu Tattva, but because in the expansion of taking the responsibility of this material creation and thus um, taking control of the mode of ignorance, Tamaguna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his form of Lord Shiva is not anymore displaying the same qualities of Vishnu. And the example given in Brahma Samhita is dahi and uh, milk. That dahi is nothing except milk, but you can never substitute dahi for milk. It has changed. So similarly, well, because of a culture, when you put culture in milk, it becomes yogurt and it can never turn back into, dahi, into milk. So similarly, when Lord, when Lord Vishnu accepts this position of contact with the mode of ignorance, <clears throat> Tamaguna, in this creation. Ah, his quality is transformed into that of Lord Shankar. So therefore, Vaishnavanam Yatashambhu, he is the greatest of all Vaishnavas, because Vaishnavas that we generally worship are Jivatmas, but he is above the Jivatma. He is actually of, of a... Lord Shiva is never, if, can never fall down under the power of Maya. He is eternally liberated. He is beyond like a jiva because of its insignificant nature can fall down by misusing independence and come over the control of Maya. But Lord Shiva is above this jiva tattva. So therefore he is very, very unique and his Vaishnavism is supreme because he is actually uh, an expansion of Narayan himself. And therefore we see here how Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva are both, are all three incarnations of the Supreme Lord Garabodakshayi Vishnu, Kshirudakshayi Vishnu. And then the third um, category here is empowered incarnations or Shaktiya Vesh avatars. And Kaviraj Goswami gives the example of the Kumaras, King Pritu, Mahamuni, Vyas. Empowered incarnations oftentimes are Jivatmas who are very, very specially empowered by the Lord to do great, great work. Like some very exalted godbrothers of Srila Prabhupada have told us that Srila Prabhupada was a Shaktaveshavatar because what he has done with such an incredible amount of empowerment given by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that he must be considered such a Shaktivesh incarnation. The Lord incarnates his divine potency through a jiva to do great work 
according to his will in this world. But sometimes also, amongst the Shakti Avesh avatars, the Lord himself in his expansions, when he displays a very particular or specific form of empowerment, he is considered to be a Shakti Vaish avatar. So sometimes Shakti Vaish avatars are Jivatmas and sometimes they are also Vishnu Tattva. When they have a very, very specific empowered purpose. Is there any questions in these three categories? Purusha Avatar is Mahavishnu, Karanadakshaya, Garbhadakshaya, and Shirodakshaya. So is Karanadakshaya different from Mahavishnu or is it the same? Same. Mahavishnu lays in the Karana Ocean, the, cause, the causal ocean. Therefore, he is called Karana, Karanadaksha. And Garbhadak is lying in the. Chiris, no, the is in yes, Garbo Vishnu. He is the one from the person in half of the uni each universe. Half of it is water, and half of it is all the planets. And Garbo Vishnu lays in that half that is a water, which is actually his perspiration. Yes, Gora Shakti. There are two opinions in this regard. And at the same time, these two opinions are often seen as one. Gora Shakti means one who is empowered by the divine potency of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that would indicate a Shakti Vesha avatar. But Gaur Shakti is also the name of Gadadhar. Just like Krishna Shakti is Sri Radharani. So some also believe that Bhakti Vinod Thakur was an incarnation. But this doesn't mean Gadadhar Pandit is Sri Radharani. Incarnation of Gadadhar Pandit can mean many things. You see what I said? I didn't say he was Radharani. I said Gadadhar Pandit is Radharani, and Gora Shakti means he's an incarnation of the d divine potency of the Lord. That means that energy of Gadadhar Pandit is being empowered to come through him. Hmm? But Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in some of his songs, he actually reveals to us his Mandri, Manjuri Bhava, his particular name, in, in his ecstasy of internal meditations, he has written bhajans where he's explaining who he is in the spiritual world and all these things. But he came down to this earth with this divine potency of Sri Gora Shakti to reveal the, this.
divine prema within Kali Yuga. Yes, he is non different than Lord Shiva. <laughs> Forming a particular mission on behalf of Lord Narayan. He's an he's an incarnation of the Gunavatar. He is not in this particular role as Shankaracharya. He is not acting in the capacity of the Gunavatar, but he is an incarnation of that great supreme Gunavatar of Shankar. How do you differentiate Sadashiva from the Shiva? Sadashiva is the original Shiva. Advaita Charya is an incarnation of that. Sadashiva is actually Narayan of Vaikuntha who expand and Shiva is actually expanded from that particular um, personality of Vaikuntha. Sadashiva is a Narayan form, like 400 or? Yes. Just like, you see, the various avatars, some are directly incarnations of Shirodakshai Vishnu, the Leela avatars of this world. But then, of the Chaturavyuha, Vasudev, Shankar, Sharani, Ruda, Prajumana, specific avatars like Anantashesh is specifically incarnated from Shankarshan. Huh? Now, Shankarshan is also living in a particular Vaikuntha planet. Huh? The secondary Shankarshan. The first Shankarshan is living in Dwaraka, in Krishna Loka. The second Shankarshan is living in his particular planet. Prajumana has his planet, Aniruddha Vasudev. And different expansions incarnate specifically from particular manifestations of Narayan. So Sadashiva is actually a, a form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in Vaikuntha. And from him, this Lord Shiva that we understand is an expansion of. There's one Lord Shiva for each universe. Uh, yes. But it's not that anyone can become a... Sh you can become a Brahma. In each universe is a different Brahma. But there's one Shiva. And that Shiva expands himself within every universe. And the original source of that Shiva is that Narayan, who is called Sada Shiva of Vaikuntha. Is this Shiva different from Rudra? Mm, same. So, in the material world, he appears from the eyes of Brahma. Yes. Brahma becomes angry with the Kumaras because you know the story. Brahma wants the Kumaras to procreate. But the Kumaras are like Tattva. They don't want to do like this. <laughs> it's like 
Tatwa's father is very angry <laughs> because he will not procreate on his behalf. So in the same way, Tatva Kumar, <laughs> in the same way, Brahma became very angry because he wanted the Kumars to give, to help him raise children in this world, procreate. They said, no, 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 we want to take shelter of Radha Gopinath and be Brahmacharis. <laughs> so he became very angry and this is all Krishna's Leela. And from his anger, Lord Shiva came from between his eyes. Rudra. That's how he manifests within this world. Huh? If you know the scripture, you can easily, because incarnations of the Lord, Shaktivesh is another thing, but when they're actually saying he's God, it is described in the Shastra how God appears, when and why. In the scriptures, we read about all the various incarnations of Godhead, how they perform. When Vishnu himself appears in this world, he performs activities that nobody could possibly ever try to imitate. Let us look at the various incarnations. Matsyavatar. He grew to billions of miles. Huh? And he maintained the Vedas, King Satyavrat, through the entire deluge, which takes place after the life of each Manu, generally. So in this way, <clears throat> who could possibly imitate what Matsyavatar has done? And then there's Kurma Rupa. Kurma Avatar, ah, well, how big was his shell? 800 million miles? Huh? Who can do like that? Could this man or anybody else expand their, their, their body like that? And then we have Vamanavatar with three steps, two steps. He traversed the distance of the entire universe. And Ramchandra, such wonderful, although he appeared like an ordinary human being in so many ways, how he killed Ravan, how he delivered Ahalya, was in the form of a stone, how he killed uh, Kara, Dusan, the 60,000 soldiers, huh? Within, within our Ramchandraji, how the, by, his, by his will, Hanumanji uh, was empowered to float stones that bridge, how big, I believe it was 80 miles wide. Ah, all the way across the ocean. Krishna, how he killed so many great asuras, how he expanded himself into 16,108 forms, how he lifted Giriraj with the little finger of his left hand. Parasaram, how he wiped out all the kings on the earth 21 times. Huh? When Vishnu appears in this world, he performs such incredible, super-excellent activities. And they're spoken of in the scripture. 
but now someone procreates a few ashes and some gold and somebody's um, I mean what have these people done whether they're great souls or not that we're not going to discuss but as far as avatars of Vishnu how do they compare to the avatars spoken of in the scripture what is their glory in comparison huh how have they shown the super excellent infinite qualities of God Hmm? Therefore, without reference to the scripture, we should not accept anyone as an incarnation of God. In fact, in the scripture it is explained that, Krish, that, that, that Narayan is known as Triyuga, which means he only appears in three yugas. In Kali Yuga, he comes as a covered incarnation, as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That can be proven in the Shastra. Krishna Varnam Visakrishnam Sangopangusha Parashram Jagyai Sankirtanapuraya Yajantihi Sumedasha. This can be proven in Shastra that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Narayan, Krishna himself. And other than that, Kalki is the only other one that is spoken in the scripture. Vishnu doesn't come any other time directly in this age of Kali. I remember one time a, a devotee of, of this person was, not him, but somebody else who also claims that their guru is God, Bhagwan. I said, well, we have to accept what is in this. Do you accept the scripture? Yes. So, well, it is explained here that this is, he only appears twice in Kali Yuga, once as a devotee and once as, in, in his, as Vishnu. He says, well, he's appearing as a devotee. I said, oh, he's, is he, is he, does he have a beautiful yellow complexion and he's, and he's always worshipped by people who are congregationally chanting the holy names? He said, no, no, he doesn't teach like that. I said, okay, he's not yellow complexion, he's not like this. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has already revealed that incarnation. Well, he's the other one, he's Kalki. He's Kalki? Well, is he, was, this, was he born in Bihar? And was he... Whitey, riding on a white horse with a sword, chopping the heads off of everybody at the end of Kali Yuga? No, no, he's not like that. <laughs> so in this way, we have to understand by God's causeless mercy, he gives us the scripture so we can understand what is what. Anybody can claim. Trita Yuga mentioned that the Lord appears in red color. Uh, Lord Ramachandra is not red in complexion. Which incarnation? He is not a Yuga avatar. We'll discuss this in another class, the Yuga avatars. Right now we want to discuss specifically what this verse is. What I'm telling you, that according to, in, to, we accept incarnations only on the basis of the Shastra. Yes, Bhagavan. Ramchandra 
has his own special Vaikuntha. And his Leela is sweeter than those of Narayan in the sense that they are more complete. Because Ramchandraji can be worshipped and loved in Vatsalya Ras. Whereas Narayan you can only worship in Dasya Ras. Huh? So therefore in this sense, and Krishna, because you could worship him and love him in Sakyaras and Madhuryaras, it is to be considered that his three names of Rama is equal to one of Krishna. Huh? So we're not, when, what all this means, he says Vishnu's name is infinite, Ram's name is infinite, Krishna's name is infinite. What's 1,000 times infinity? What's three times infinity? <laughs> so on this level, there are all these names are infinite. But when we're discussing this in the Shastra, we're talking about the particular sweetness of the rasa that one can have through the chanting of the name of this particular aspect of the Supreme Personality of God. But is the incarnation of Krishna? Even Krishna, when he comes into this world, he's an incarnation of Chirodakshai Vishnu. All the avatars are incarnations of Chirodakshai Vishnu when they come into this world. But beyond coming into this world, they also have their own abode above the world in Vaikuntha, in the spiritual world, spiritual sky. So Ram is existing eternally in the spiritual sky, and his planet is above that of the Vaikuntas of Narayan. And Krishna, his planet is above that of Sri Ram. And in his planet, there is Dwaraka, Mathura, Vrindavan. And Vrindavan is above Dwaraka and Mathura. So we are speaking of one person, but the different gradations in how he is reciprocating loving exchanges. But when the Krishna of Vrindavan or the Krishna of Dwaraka or the Ram of Ayodhya or the Narayana Vaikuntha, when they come into this world, they all incarnate through Kshirodakshai Vishnu. Svetadweep is that island in the ocean of milk. And when the demigods are desiring the avatar to appear, they all approach Kshirodakshai Vishnu and pray to him. Huh? And by his, he hears their prayer directly. And by his mercy, the Lord comes. So therefore, they're all considered to be incarnations of Vishnu. Although also they are the source of Vishnu. <laughs> Mahaji, mentioned that Ramachandra, we can go up to Vatsalya Ras. Uh, is the relationship between Sita and Ram also considered as Madhurya Ras? But that is a different thing because you see, Krishna allows infinite number of jivatmas to enter into that relationship. Sita is Lakshmi herself. 
She has that exclusive position. And in the form of Sita, she is the very, very completely obedient, chaste, faithful wife of Ram. But in Vrindavan, the gopis get mad at Krishna and the Man Mandir, Man Sarovar, they have a different Leela. <laughs> Unity and variegatedness. The variegatedness of Vrindavan is at its supreme level. Where there are conf where there are apparent contradictions and conflictions, this increases the ecstasy and the sweetness of the loving exchanges of Brajadam. Yes. Why did it first end in the earlier part of his life? But not spiritual in that matter. He was a learned scholar, etc. They were spiritual, but he had a particular mission and purpose. He wanted to come in the form of a devotee to teach how to be. Krishna already came just prior to Kali Yuga and ordered that you must surrender to me. So that word was already there. There was no need for God to come again and say, surrender to me. He came in the guise of a devotee to show us by his own example how to surrender to him. That is what we needed to learn. The Gita was everywhere in India, but nobody could understand how to do it. So just to repeat the message again was not good enough. So the Lord came to perfectly display through his divine example how to surrender to Krishna. And his early years as a apparent scholar, for many reasons, the great Gaudiya Vaishnavas give many, many explanations in this regard. One is, he want, just like we have been explaining, this idea of Madan Mohan, meeting in separation. Sambhog, and what is the other? Vipralamba. Vipralamba and Sambhog. Separation makes the meeting fonder. So, the devotees were cast into such incredible, incredible um, ecstasy of separation because they wanted Krishna so much. Kali Yuga was so terrible. And here was a child who was attracting their love as much as Krishna was. And yet, he, was, he wouldn't say anything about Krishna. The thing that they were most against was academic scholarship devoid of bhakti. This is what they m considered the greatest threat to, to theism. And here was a person who was absolutely attracting their hearts with divine love, and yet he was, he was the personification of scholarship without bhakti. So in this way he cast the devotees into an unbearable condition of separation from Krishna. Huh? 
They wanted to, they, they loved him so much, but they could not express that love. There was that separation. And then when he became a devotee, after meeting Ishwarapuri and taking initiation from him, you can imagine how at that time their the ecstasy you can imagine the ecstasy of their love when that after the Vipralamba that Sambhog took place. Huh? Of his devotees. To give the opportunity of a sweet nectarine relationship that could not have been any other way. And also, of course, he wanted to show the greatness of his devotees, that by the touch of the divine mercy of Ishwarapuri, his life had completely been transformed. He wanted to show the necessity of accepting the transformation that takes place by humbling oneself to a bona fide spiritual master. This lesson, which is the most essential lesson on the path of bhakti, was so incredibly prominently displayed by the Lord through this Leela. Huh? And there are many other very wonderful explanations in this video. So who is going to speak today? him appalled, he was disgusted, he was averse. So he changed that verse because that verse is talking about pure devotional service and nothing else but pure devotional service, thanking the Supreme Personality of Godhead for even the greatest sufferings in life. So he changed that important verse from Mukti Pade to Bhakti Pade.